Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in ed tech. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. On this episode, we look at some of the latest stories to be posted to eSchool News, including some sage advice on how to improve engagement with students remotely, two educators describe how their parent communication system addresses digital equity issues, and an exclusive interview with Carl Hooker on not only his COVID status, but also the release of his latest book, Ready, Set, Fail. First, let's take a look at a piece written by Robin Winder. She's the Senior Director of Instruction for Florida Virtual School and FlexPoint Education Cloud. The story is entitled, How to Establish Rapport with Online Students. One of the most difficult things to accomplish during these past few years. I know that with my own beta testers here at home, engagement was pitiful. And who can blame students or their teachers for that matter? I mean, Zoom fatigue is, is the thing. Well, Ms. Winder has been doing this for a long time, and she breaks down a few tactics that should help for educators and parents in the classroom. She writes, number one, show that you make mistakes too. Mistakes happen all the time, she writes, and the world keeps spinning, right? Showing that everyone makes mistakes opens dialogue and encourages students to not be afraid to make errors. Plus, in the online environment, some things are just out of your control like video conferencing glitches or dogs barking in the background. Laugh with your students when these things happen to show them it's no big deal. This is also an easy way to break the ice. Number two, humanize yourself. You aren't a bitmoji behind a screen. Sometimes students will think of their online teacher as someone on the screen rather than a real person. The way to change that perception is by being personal and telling students about yourself. Perhaps you tell them that you're a mom or that you love to cook or that your brother plays baseball. No matter what you tell them, see if there's a way that they can relate to what you're sharing. And then number three, build confidence by encouraging one-on-one -on -one conversations. She writes, I found that students are often afraid to ask a question during a live lesson because they don't want to embarrass themselves in front of their peers. One way to improve this is by encouraging students to send an email or a text instead with their question. That way, you're able to help them better understand the lesson without the added pressure. It's also important to reiterate that dumb questions are the only ones not asked and that many other students may have had the same question but were afraid to speak up. Some great tips in there, not only for teachers, but for parents. Like it or not, remote conversations, I think, are here to stay. So finding best practices will be hugely important going forward. To read the whole thing, go to the top stories at eSchool News and find how to establish rapport with online students. Next, there's a terrific piece on the top news list called Five Ways to a More Equitable School-Home Communication System. It was written by Efren Tovar, English Language Development Teacher for Selma USD, and Norma Barajas-Ruez, and she's a Director of State and Federal Programs at Selma USD. The five ways get right into it. Number one, they find that their communication system helps meeting stakeholders where they are. They write, we empower our families by encouraging them to choose when and how they want to receive routine school communications. Parents and guardians can personalize their notification settings to receive all messages in one batch early each evening. Number two, translating messages automatically. The translation capability within our platform is a very powerful tool for engaging parents across different languages. We can translate our forms, permission slips, and posts 
not to mention the option for two-way transition with direct messaging. That's a huge feature. Uh, number three, creating attractive and engaging flyers. They say that they can generate attractive, interactive communications and quickly send them out to recipients. The flyers are definitely one of the coolest tools available on the platform. Currently, all of their parent university flyers are sent using live links so the parents can just open it up and there's an instant link to the Zoom meeting. Number four, parents are not needed to be tethered to a computer to use it. They write, not only are we no longer solely relying on sending out paper mailings and flyers to parents, but we can also use our two-way communication system for our mobile phones, which is a huge, as a parent myself, I know that that is a huge benefit. Finally, integrating with our student information system. They write, this is a huge benefit because we now have a single database of reliable information to work from across both our communications platform and the student information system. We don't have to go into separate platforms to gather contact information and generate communication. It's all in a single unified place. So it's great. Another one of these tools that were used out of necessity during the pandemic, which have found to be a benefit even without all this madness going on, and that will, will stick around going forward. So this is the kind of great content I like to read about, despite you know the ongoing pandemic issues. And finally, I had the opportunity for an exclusive interview with the one and only Carl Hooker. Carl's been an educator for the past 21 years. He has held a variety of positions in multiple districts, from first grade teacher to virtualization coordinator. As Director of Innovation and Digital Learning for the Eanes Independent School District in Texas, he utilized his background in both education and technology to bring a unique vision to the district and its programs. During his time there, the district jumped into social media, adopted the Google Apps for Education, and started to build a paperless environment with Google Docs. He helped spearhead the LEAP program, Learning and Engaging Through Access and Personalization, which put one-to-one -one iPads into hands of all of his K-12 students at Eanes. His latest book is called Ready, Set, Fail, Using Failure and Risk-Taking to Unlock Creativity. It was released last week, and I was able to Zoom with him as he sat out his COVID quarantine down there in Texas. Have a listen. Carl, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Kevin. So the big news, hot off the presses, right? Ready, Set, Fail, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, hot off the Amazon presses. That's right. Uh, new book, Ready, Set, Fail. This is my seventh book. I actually wrote six books prior called Mobile Learning Mindset through ISTE, but those are more technical, I would say, in terms of their content. This is more about culture and about changing classroom behavior and why it's important to have risk-taking and failure as some part of your classroom because it actually helps creativity and innovation. So that's kind of the main premise of the book. I, I of course, there's a lot of stories of failure. You know me well, Kevin. We've known each other for more than a decade now. So there's a lot of times that we've taken risks and failed between have, the two of us. We, we have failed multiple <laughs> times, yes. <laughs> yes. So, and, it, and and that's the thing is like, there's parts of reflection in the book too, where you go in and, and I, I forcefully make, I don't force them to, but as they're reading the book, I'm like, reflect on a time when you took a risk and messed up or reflect on a time when you didn't take a risk because you were afraid to. And so like, it, it's very much kind of reflective practice too. So I have a lot of my own, failures, admittedly, that I put in there, of course, because you got to model it. Um, but uh, it was just, it was great to write. It's fun to write uh, the brain research behind it, uh, what's happening in your brain when you're making mistakes, and when you're taking risks, and just kind of figuring out ways to overcome that stuff. Because every learner has it. And I say learner, because it's not just kids, it's adults, too. And that's the book is for all of the above. Now, is this a creature of the pandemic? I mean, this, I mean, I guess your experiences come from 
before the pandemic, but is this one of these things where, you know, Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein? It's <laughs> sort of uh, like you had you yeah. had the opportunities. I talk a little bit about that and maybe how the pandemic in the past two years maybe have changed those mindsets to where failure might feel more uh, like an option. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I've, I've been doing talks on it for a long time and just, um, but I, a lot of it was like my own kind of confirmation bias of like, oh, I believe that this is why you should do it. So actually writing the book helped me because I was able to gather research around it. But uh, I think the pandemic taught a lot of people things about themselves. For me personally, I mean, I quit my full-time job at a school district. I was doing full-time just consulting speaking. And I had this plan that like, oh, in five years, I'm going to come up with like, my wife and I talked about coming up with different models for income and how we're going to make this work. Um, because all my money is coming from public speaking. Well, the pandemic hit and that day, <laughs> my five-year plan became a five-day plan. And we had to come up with something different, you know, and and try a lot of things. And admittedly, not all of them work. But I'm, I'm now I'm doing like influencing, which I never thought would be like a real job. People still, I don't think, believe it's a real job, but it is. Uh, the books were, this book was a big part of it. I had a lot of time to finally sit, rest, think, and kind of recover from those other books that I wrote. And I was like, oh, man, it was itching to get out. Um, I've never written a book so easily in my life, to be honest. Uh, hmm. It just... The words just flew onto the paper, 40,000 words before I knew it. I was like, man, this is turning into the biggest book I've ever written. So yeah, it's been great. And it's in a, and I'm working with a publisher that's, that's new, you know, X Factor through Matt Joseph's company is, you know, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to take a risk, I might as well try it with a kind of an unestablished at the time publisher, but now he's signed some other authors since then. And uh, they've been super great. They've been supporting me. The editor there is amazing. And so makes me actually sound coherent, which, you know, is awfully <laughs> tough. You've had to deal with some of my writings before. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, well, now, as, as someone who uh, I consider one of the most innovative people I know, especially in the in the in the space of, of education, this is still a hard well, it's not a hardback book, but it's a, a traditionally published book. Right. Uh, why yeah. do you still see an importance in that medium uh, and how do you complement it with what we're doing right now or other forms of, of communication? to uh, to a professional audience like educators? Yeah, you know, there's a Kindle version too, which is interesting because in the Kindle version, they, they, they Amazon said, we're going to take away the reflection boxes because it doesn't make sense. And I was like, well, I still want them to reflect. But like, we can't write it down. I was like, all right. Um, so I don't know. I think there's always going to be a mix. I, I personally, I go between both. I have uh, my own books here that are hard copy, you know, that I read when I travel or just when I'm sitting around. But I, I think there's times, uh, there's something about having that tangible feeling of a book still. Um, but you're right. I think generationally we're shifting. And I, I will say this, the people that I want to read this book are educational leaders. And I will tell you this, and you know this, most of them, they want a hard copy so they can put it on their shelf. Yeah. Um, I've had a, some of them even tell me like, I would never hire you as a public speaker if you didn't like have a book written. And I'm like, that's crazy. But right. I understand. I mean, uh, but anybody can write a book. So what does that tell you? Are you really right. vetting the person, right? Right. They wrote a book. So yeah, I think it's. I think there's still a time and place for it. I don't feel like it's going to go away anytime soon. I mean, anytime and for I mean, decades would be my guess. If, if even then, I think they'll always be around. Well, now let me ask you. I mean, we we spent most of our quality failures uh, during conferences, right? I mean, before the yeah. pandemic, uh, we were always on the road. You were always a great support for events that we were hosting back in the day. What's your What's your gut about what's happening here now? Uh, you know, FETC is seems to be back in action. Uh, we're going to see each other in Atlanta at DLAC in a couple of weeks. Yep. TCEA seems like it's back on on track. Of course, Texas and Florida they don't have COVID, so that's help. That's yeah, helpful, right? I got yeah, I got the new, I got the yeah, they don't have it. Never mind that I have it, but they don't have it. Yeah, <laughs> right. the whole reason why I'm not at FETC. Yeah, yeah I. 
I, I think it's going to be interesting, man. I mean, I, I honestly think if you're worth your salt, you're planning some, you got to have some sort of hybrid going forward. Now, a lot of them don't have the bandwidth for it. So like, I think FETC was like, we're just in person. And there's a little bit of, they might have some online stuff. Um, I know ISTE's trying to do both, right? Yeah. Um, there's a couple queues, another one that's doing both, uh, mostly virtual. So I think that going forward, that'll always be the case. I think also, I've been to at least two conferences now, Visti and then and, and iSkate, that was it was hybrid. But I will tell you, being in person, you could feel it, man. There is a general release of like, oh my God, we're back. And you notice it not during the sessions, you know it at after four o'clock is when <laughs> you start, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That's what people yep. are like, oh my God, there's people and I could talk to them again. And it's, yeah. you know, it's our PLN because it's just not the same. I and mean, you and I could do this and have happy hour. Yeah. But it's not the same as actually sitting there and actually seeing each other and talking. It's, I think uh, as much as I'm a very innovative person, I feel like there still needs to be a part of that in-person thing that needs to happen until we get to the metaverse, in which case, I guess, then we're just walking around as avatars, right? Right. But that's second life from 10 years ago, I think. Just I know. Fancier, right. Timing <laughs> was bad. They had, ISTE had a second life island. They just screwed it up. They were like <laughs> 10 years ahead of their time, man. It's going to come back and it's going to be a thing. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the release. I can't wait to really dig into it. Also can't wait to see you in person uh, in a couple of weeks where we can start to uh, fail again together. I'm excited for it, man. Ready, set, fail. Let's go. All right. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Kevin. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the ed tech space. E-School News is always free and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan.